Welcome to our True Crime, True Family podcast. Quarantine equals no life, so we've decided to start a true crime podcast. I'm Emily, and along with my mom, Kate, and our cousin Paige, we will be discussing popular true crime documentaries and cases. Due to sensitive subject material and explicit language, viewer discretion is advised. Hey, we're back this week with the Menendez brothers. We're not doing the Menendez brothers, you idiot. We're doing Eileen Werner's because we don't even (laughs) pay attention to anything. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Hey, well, ew. Oh, my gosh. Hey. Oh, my God. Earlier she laughed and she was like, (laughs) 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 Hey, we're back. Wait, what is it? it Eileen, life and death of a serial killer. Hey, we're back this week with Eileen, life and death of a serial killer. Here is my cousin Paige and my mom, Kate. Thanks. If you had gotten the name right, you could have done that in just one take. Yeah, I had actually seen it before. And then I rewatched it. So I thought I had seen this one, but I think the one I watched was the first one. That he made? Yeah, like the one where they did her trial. Because I do remember watching that in high school with my friend. And then I think I read that the other one came out in like 2003. So I'm sure it had to be the first one because I remember they had it on HBO and I could order it on demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I think Paradise this had been on I think I think this one had been on um Netflix before. And, I think it did too. And I I had watched it before because when she at the end when she was yelling a lot, I remembered having seen that before. But I mean, it, it it was it was good. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like Florida, kind of weird. <laughs> um, but so, like I think most people know if you know they haven't seen either of these documentaries. Like Charlize Theron did that monster. Like I do remember when that movie came out, and I was like, oh. My God, how did they make her look so weird? I've never seen that movie. Uh, yeah, I can't remember when it came out. I know I've seen it, but it's been a while. But, like, if I say Eileen Wernas and people don't know who it is, as soon as they say, like, Monster. That Monster, that Charlie, and they're like, oh, yeah, that lady. Mm-hmm. But so... The police, over the course of a year in Florida, found the bodies of seven men, and they were all shot with a twenty-two caliber gun. And so Eileen, weren't a, they, like a lot of times they say she was the first female serial killer in, uh, um, in America. Um, but, I mean, I guess that's not really, you don't really see women doing serial killering, kill, ugh, killing a lot. <laughs> Jeez. Serial killering? Is that what you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's new. Yeah, it's been a long day. Yeah. Um, 
Like, she is just off her rocker insane. Mm-hmm. Like, there were times I'm like, okay, like, I can't believe that. And maybe it's just because, like, now it's 2020 and, like, there's a lot more, I guess, sometimes compassion in the world. Like, I would feel bad petting her to death as insane as she sounded. But I feel like in the early 90s or, like, you know, whenever this was filmed, that people were definitely, like, just, like, burn her alive. It's fine. (laughs) But... Like, she was insane. Yeah. So, Nick... Nick Broomfield and Eileen, both, like, he described her a bunch of times as a hitchhiking hooker. (laughs) And I was like, wow, those are some lofty goals and aspirations for life. But isn't that how she, like, described herself? Yeah, I know. She did. I just think it's, like, funny. Like, could you imagine? I'm the hitchhiking hooker. Like, I don't know. I thought it was funny. <laughs> and because, like, to me, that sounds like an insult that I would come up with. <laughs> and, like, she is, she walks in in this orange prison jumpsuit she's handcuffed and she's like I came here to confess to murder and she is just a lot she's shown confessing and she says I just wish I never would have done this shit I wish I would have I wish I never would have got that gun I wish to god I never was a hooker and I just wish wish I never would have done what I did I just have to say to myself that it was in self-defense because most of them either were going to start to beat me up or were going to screw me in the ass. And I wrote, ugh, I could never. Like, shocker. In addition to, like, old people and parental sex, I'm not a fan of anal. Oh, <laughs> Like, who? Like, I look, I am very grossed out by anal. Like, I could never. Like, you're not thing something that's been in my ass in a different part of me ever again in life like you could soak your dick in bleach and i'd be like it's still a no for me dog like there's it's not happening i feel like you've said this before on another podcast about yeah probably i'm not a fan (laughs) i wonder which other one i don't think we've talked about anal though i feel like I'm trying to look back. I feel like the only one I probably could have would have been Gypsy because she would have been the dumbass that was like, oh, we did it in the butt. No, I don't think it was Gypsy. It wasn't Cheshire. I don't remember. It wasn't Menendez. I don't know. I just had like this. It's like it's gross. Like, what? Like, well, probably just because, like, it's probably general in life if I've ever heard the word anal. I'm like, nope, not for me. Uh, like, who who would, like, who wants to do that? That's got to hurt. Have you ever heard, like, sometimes? I was about to say, like, if you asked me if I've ever done anal, I was going to ask you if you No. I was <laughs> going to say, have you ever heard that sometimes, like, I've heard that if you do that sometimes like 
poop gets on it. I'm, I'm sure every time poop gets on it. <laughs> How can it not? <laughs> no, I saw a TikTok where a girl got an E. coli infection in her vagina because her boyfriend banged a dude in his ass and then came home and fucked her in the vagina. Um. Yeah, that's probably true. That's disgusting. And she probably got like a major UTI. Yeah, this E. coli. Like she said, it smelled like a dumpster. Her VJ did? Her- Oh, yeah. Well, I can't imagine that poop sprouting in there is going to Like, could you... Have you ever had a I UTI? Would, like, could you imagine the pain? I got a UTI from kidney stones one time. I get scratched it on the way out. Ugh. But, like, yeah, that... That, that would hurt. Yeah. Like, that'd be super painful, and then I'd probably, like, want to kill myself if they were like, oh, yeah, there's, you got it from poop in your vagina. Like, what? <laughs> like, what is Japanese, like, what if, when they kill themselves because they're ashamed? Like, I brought shame to my family and stabbed themselves in the heart. <laughs> that'd be me. I'd be like, so sorry, Mom. Oh, my God. Like, that's, it's, it's, like, I would be mad at someone if they even asked me. I'd be like, excuse me? <laughs> like, what? That, like, I don't know. And I think it's a good thing that I'm very upfront about the things I don't like. <laughs> because you know what? I've never been asked. And I feel like it would be a very bad day if I got asked. I'd be like, um, yeah, go ahead. I will never touch you anywhere again. <laughs> like, I won't even hold your hand anymore. But Sure. Have at it. Oh my god. Please. You would not like No, it. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. It's just funny to hear you go on rants because you know I love them. <laughs> like this whole podcast could be about how life. you are not gonna ever have butt sex. I know. I could go on for a very I know, long that's time. what I mean. No, look, if we just did a podcast of all the things, I'm not a fan of <gasps> That's what it should be. <laughs> That's what oh, it God. should be. That's what our second podcast Tune should be. in next week. Yeah. <laughs> For more things I'm not a fan <laughs> of. And look, we can start with all of Salt Lake City's housewives. What? Have you watched the new Housewives of Salt Lake No. City? You must. One lady is married to her grandpa. Yeah, but isn't it like her step-grandpa? Yeah, it's still her grandpa, though. <laughs> I don't care, step or blood or not. You're old. And, you're ha- and not only gross, it's like mixing all of the things I hate. An old person sex, parent sex, grandparent sex, which... <laughs> Look, if I ever had to hear Grandma tell me a story about her and Pat Boning, I would have killed myself. Dead. Like, it's all the things I hate all in one marriage. Oh my God. I bet she does anal. I for sure bet she does anal. She, like, tried to say she was on her period for, like, three months so that she couldn't, so she didn't have to consummate her fucking marriage. 
And now she has a kid. It's fucking gross. People are like, um, I thought they were talking about true crime. What is she talking about? The housewife of uh, <laughs> Oh my god. We it's insane. We... And then this one lady gets very offended by very weird things. Like the weirdo grandpa sex having lady. She walked in a room and said it smells like hospital in here and apparently she had some like illness that she had to be in the hospital for six months so she has an aversion to that smell and the other girl had just come from her aunt's hospital room where she had her legs amputated and she spun that into this lady hating on her aunt with no legs it was it's amazing how far she reached for that fight i've kind of given up on housewives yeah me too and i thought this one was going to be a right in the trash like something i did not care about like i didn't even want to watch the premiere and then there was nothing else on tv so i watched it and it was the best thing that happened to me in 2020 (laughs) tiger king wasn't it's better than she married her whole grandfather her whole grandfather (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she runs a church. Now, what happened to the grandma? She <gasps> died. So. And this lady, like, you think it's, well, so she tries to say that it was an arranged marriage and that her grandma wanted her to marry her grandpa. I don't buy that. And I think if anybody told her that it was the gross-ass grandpa who Knocked on the door, like, every night. Like, are you still on your period? I'm trying to get it in after they got married. And it's like, gross, that's your granddaughter. But then, her, no, they're not Mormon. I can't remember what they are, but it's not Mormon. But so then they show, um, well, they didn't show it, but I was reading. Her family is all like, um, that's not true. My grandmother did not leave in her will that they wanted Mary to marry our grandfather. But her mom, so her mom and the the grandma's daughter was trying to move in on Robert and Mary wanted the money. So she got him to marry her. Very weird. It's like insane. I can't believe actual human people live like this. Could you imagine like, it's just got all of the worst things all rolled into one. If, like, could you imagine if I was like, oh, um, you know, grandma's ex, like, I'm going to hop on that? Like, fuck, no. Like, that's disgusting. And they've been married, like, 20 years. She was young when that happened to her. So, like, I don't know. It might be abuse. She definitely seems like she does crack or something. But she probably has to to get through her life. Oh, please. I think I'd be doing any drug that someone put near me if I had to fuck my grandpa. Oh, so awful. It's really good. It's a great show. (laughs) You just said it's so awful. It's really good. It's a great show. Well, yeah. I mean, look. The fact that I hate all these things makes you laugh. So it's truly the awful things that we love hearing about. Yeah. That that that's gotta Look, be and if nothing else I can could... It's gotta be our new podcast. Like 
Things we hate. Kate doesn't like. <laughs> Things we hate. No, it, I mean, it'll, like, and look, it, it, it helps you with your self-esteem. You can be like, look, I've done a lot of things wrong in my life. I never married my grandpa. Oh, my God. Like, could you even imagine? Like, how did that conversation even come up? Like, had anybody in adult age, look, I was, like, 28, and I thought, like, 30 was, like, I'd be like, oh, God, 30. I was bad about it. Like, the first time um, I hung out with Dan, we went, like, out to this club or whatever, and at work that Monday, someone was asking us what we did over the weekend. You're an idiot. She's like, she's, like, laid down in the back trying to, like, reach her AirPods up here. Um. But so this lady that we worked with was like, what did you guys do? And I was like, oh, we went to this club or something. And she, I can't even remember what she said, but I was like, well, look, I got to get it in now, like, that I'm young. Like, I'm not going to be up in the club, like, 30, like a loser. And Dan was like, I'm 31. <laughs> I was like, not for you. It's only matters if you're a girl. I and, like, my boss, my first boss in, like, an office job. Well, not my, I guess he was my second boss. But he was, like, 32, and everyone talked about he was, like, this young, like, person to be running one of the offices or whatever. And he was, like, yeah, I'm only 32. And I was, like, oh, gross. Like, 32 is old. And, like, he was very offended by me, like, being grossed out by his age. But in my defense, I was, like, 22. Like, 30 seems like 700. Like, oh, I missed you last week. I have a say. lot. Say. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay, so I blocked up two hours. Clearly, it's gonna be four. Oh my god. <laughs> so, Eileen had been saying that these guys, like her, her clients, were going to beat her up or screw her in the ass. And that they'd get rough with her, so she'd fight them, and she'd get away from them. Like, Eileen seems absolutely insane. And then, like, this part irritated me. They show a clip of one of the victim's daughters. Her name is Terry Humphreys, and her dad was Dick Humphreys, and she makes very little sense. Her dad was a former chief of police, which, like, ouch. Like, and then you died at the hands of a hooker. Like, that's classy. She insists that Eileen never had sex with her dad. And it's like, hun, like, what, what was he doing in those woods with his pants down? Oh, yeah, he definitely like, had sex with her. And then she's like, he ne- they never had sex. They did an autopsy of my dad. They didn't release his body for over a week. They cut him from stem to stern. There wasn't any semen in there anywhere. And I wrote, um, who let her on TV? Like, for one, like, I think that's what happens in an autopsy. They cut you open to take your organs out and look at them. So, of course, you have to be cut stem to stern. And if your gross fucking father picked up a hitchhiking hooker and nutted in her when he fucked her, he's not going to have semen in his body, dumbass. (laughs) 
he was empty. <laughs> what? Like, I was so mad. I'm like, oh, really? This lady's not only going to say this. Now I have to, like, write it down and explain how that happens? Like, fuck you. Like, you fucking idiot. Of course that shit wasn't going to be in his body, you dumb bitch. Like, perfect Florida's education system, okay? Like, let's hope they've updated their course material. Because it's looking bleak. Um, so they show a few members of the victim's family talking about the victims and Eileen. And this one old lady is just as cranky and crabby as she could be. And she's like, I hope she meets up with, quote, old Sparky. You know who old Sparky is. It's like, all right, lady. Politicians for the Christian right campaign for Eileen Wernos's conviction. Eileen is shown rambling on about how she's sick of the re-election jazz. They're just trying to get promotional ladder climbing and political prestige from this. I'm probably going to get three more death row sentences, and then I got to go to Pasco and Dixon for two more death row sentences. How many times are you going to kill me? You know what I mean? This is bullshit. They don't need to be doing this. Nick says that even Ted Bundy was offered life in prison. And I was like, really? He was? Like, before or after he escaped from prison? Because that's kind of, like, weird. Like, why didn't they offer her life? Like, I kind of thought that was, like, the automatic thing. Like, if people confess they got life in prison. Like, I I remember when we did the Cheshire murders, I was kind of like, why didn't they just get the, you know. But back then... You know, people actually were being killed on death row. Like, I don't. I feel like you don't hear about it as much now that people actually. I don't think it happens as much now. No, but back then when Eileen got convicted, like it was more like that. But I just, I don't know. I don't know why it shocked me that Ted Bundy was offered life in prison. In 1992, Nick Broomfield made a documentary about Eileen, and he shows different footage of Eileen from that. And, like, she just is, like, she's hard to watch at a point. She's completely batshit crazy. Like, we all agree. There's just (laughs) mental issues galore. So she's rambling on about how she feels like it was self-defense seven times. She's throwing up air quotes. All willy-nilly, I don't think she understands, like, the point of doing an air quote or what it's supposed to mean. Um, and she's like, self-defense is self-defense. I don't care if it was a 100 times. And I'm thinking, like, okay, if you say so. But, like, really, like, after the second or third time, you weren't like, maybe I should stop hooking. Like, I don't, maybe just a guess. I don't, she just, she's weird. She says that she never provoked any of her clients. She was always very nice, very decent, very clean, very ladylike. Um, I didn't even swear in front of my clients. And a lot of my clients, we talk about Jesus and political, both mixed together. We never argued. And I was like, okay, I mean, like, for real? Is the opposite say like for one you look like you smell like beer cigarettes jizz and like dirt so like I'm very skeptical about this like very clean claim I don't think that she was clean 
And then I'm like, I'm also sure that people who describe themselves as ladylike don't fuck other people for money. I don't know. That's just my mom taught me when I was a kid. Like, you don't go around like banging people for money. <laughs> that's not very ladylike. <laughs> like, people will think you are a whore if you fuck for money. And like, who's talking about Jesus and politics with a hooker? Like, you aren't Mary Magdalene. You don't have the answers. Like, what? Like, nobody, they're like, can you please shut your mouth or open it, but I don't want to hear you talk. Like, they're paying her for sex. Like, they want to hear her opinion on, like, political issues. I'm like, you didn't swear in front of my clients. Like, who the fuck cares? They're fucking you for money. That's, like, the least of things that you should be concerned with about you didn't swear. That makes you some kind of good person. Ugh. And very deep and very clean. You're not clean. You're fucking for money. Like, I'm sorry. That just doesn't get clean. Like, <laughs> I feel dirty watching this. A bunch of cops get got fired because they were, like, all trying to, like, sell their stories about Eileen. Um, so, like, I guess that's kind of, like, their their way of trying to get her death conviction appealed is like nobody really looked out for her and so this um, in this appeal her attorney, her current attorney is saying that she had ineffective counsel from her previous attorney Dr. Legal and I was like wait what, like Dr. Legal but they show a cheap commercial on this idiot like it's a very reminiscent of like the like have you or a loved one ever like died from mesothelioma you too could be entitled to a cash settlement like it did not seem like a legit lawyer like Dr. Legal so I mean like he's an idiot Nick calls him Steve the lawyer and he says that Steve, the lawyer, made no attempt to investigate the cops, and he pled guilty to all the murders and didn't even try to make a deal for a lesser sentence. Like, he was just like, look, if she's guilty, I know she's guilty. Just put her to death. Like, Eileen had no money to pay him, so Steve got money by charging for interviews. And I wrote, Florida is a mess. Like, how is your attorney allowed to do this? So Steve, the lawyer, is in the courtroom for Eileen's appeal and Nick is like oh I haven't seen Steve the lawyer in 11 years like who like he's like calling him Steve the lawyer like the entire time like that's a full name so then Steve is like you know that Nick's film got him run out of town and they showed Nick go over to Steve to try to like shake his hand and say hi and it is like the most awkward like if I would have thought this was, like, in a movie as, like, a fake thing happened because Nick is all, like, hi, Steve, and Steve is, like, fuck you, and Nick can't hear him and asks what, like, 15 times, and every time, like, Steve is, like, fuck you, and then the last time, like, Nick was all, like, huh, and Steve, like, kind of shakes his hand, and he's like, fuck you and the queen. And I was like, well, what the fuck did the queen ever do to you, Steve? Like, Steve is 
smiling the entire time. Like that smile when you're in public and you can't react the way you want to react. And so you just go into like a psycho smiling idiot mode. That was Steve. And he's like, fuck you and your doc documentary. Don't talk to me. And Steve looks like a bootleg Bob Ross. But I doubt Steve will be painting happy little trees anytime soon. So Steve is on the stand, and he's asked if he remembers charging Nick or trying to charge Nick $25,000 to do an interview for his documentary. Steve says he didn't try to charge anybody anything. Miss Vornos asked me or told me I want 25000 for this interview. I would have passed this along to the person interviewing. Eileen's attorney, Joe, is like, um, like you, you know it was depicted in the documentary. Like, we actually see you do this. Like, we, we can watch it. And he's like, you were shown doing exactly that. Steve is not budging. He's like, uh, no, nope, not me, not me. And he doesn't believe there's any evidence of that. Like, and I'm like, why are they not just rolling the tape? Because for sure they have it. But, I mean, I don't know if they did in the court or not, but they show us the tape. And they show Nick counting out the cash and handing it to Steve. And Steve's dumbass is like, hey, Nick, what's Davy Crockett doing on the $100 bill? And I don't even get the joke. I'm like, well, that's I think he was, like, trying to, to make camera. a joke that he was giving him fake then money or something. I mean, either way, it was stupid. Like, why would you, like, you see that these people are filming you. Why would you allow them Is it to illegal it? to do that? I would be like, huh? Is it illegal to, well, no, he knew they were taping. Well, yeah, for him as a lawyer to accept money for that, I think it probably is. I think that's why, like, the, the grounds they have to, like, say that he was ineffectual. Did he get disbarred? I don't think he got disbarred for it, right? I don't know. I mean, I'm not confident that he's even really a lawyer. Yeah, Dr. Legal doesn't sound too legit. And they also... Yeah. Well, and they they show him being questioned about a remark he made where he said his advice to anyone facing the electric chair was to not sit down. It's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, I make a lot of jokes. It's like, you're a fucking idiot. So Nick doesn't believe that Steve initially took the case for money, but Steve was in over his head. He didn't have a fax machine or a law office. And I was like, did anybody verify if he graduated law school or um, if he took the bar? Nick says Eileen was delusional. Like, well, that's true, but, like, a lot of people seem very delusional. Like, this lady who thinks, like, her father wasn't fucking a prostitute when he's, like, found in the woods with a prostitute. Um, Eileen thought that she was going to get acquitted and move in with Arlene Crowley. Arlene had seen Eileen in the paper, like, say those two names fast five times, and then adopted her. And I was like, what? Like, how does that work? And... I guess they had wanted to run a horse ranch and raise she-wolves. And Arlene's the one that hired Steve. And in case you couldn't guess, Arlene is a fucking idiot. When Arlene was sentenced to three death sentences, she 
loses her shit in court. She's like, thank you. I'll be up in heaven. And I'm like, doubtful. And she's like, while y'all rot in hell. She's mumbling. All I could catch was like, she said something, something. And she's like, get raped in the ass one of these days. The judge is trying to give her information about the automatic appeal. And Eileen says, may your wife and kids get raped right in the ass. Like, Eileen has zero chill. Steve stands up, and he's like, Your Honor, I would ask that you appoint the public defender's office, like, regarding the appeal. Steve has zero interest in penalty. He's like, I want out of this nightmare, please. Meanwhile, all this, they're, like, talking like like she's not even there. And she's losing her mind. She's screaming. She's like, I know I was raped, and you ain't nothing but a bunch of scum putting somebody who was raped to death. Motherfucker, she's like screaming and being dragged out of the courthouse, and she's flicking the judge off the entire time. But nobody really seemed to be reacting that much. So Nick is getting on the stand as a witness for her appeal, and he says, I like to flatter myself that they wanted my legal opinion, and I was like, oh, bless your heart. Like, you fucking idiot. Like, what is even going on? Like, everyone in this is, like, ridiculous. And he's like, but it turned out I was there to talk about Steve's marijuana smoking. The big question that they were finding the answer to was if Steve consumed seven extremely strong joints before giving Eileen legal advice in prison. They play a clip of Nick smoking what looks like a joint while he's cranking up music. Eileen is, like, laughing watching this as they show it in court of her appeal of her death sentence. Like, I don't think I'd ever laugh at anything. She thinks it's, like, fucking hilarious. The prosecution is obviously trying to discredit Nick because they don't want it ruled that she had ineffective counsel and then have to go back to trial or, like, have her stay her execution. Um, But they're saying that Nick edited it to look like Steve smoked weed on the way to a prison visit but his shirt was blue when he was smoking and white when he was walking into the prison. And Nick is like, I don't know, maybe he changed his shirt. Like, I have no idea. And I was like, does it matter? Like, he was definitely found smoking a joint. Like, isn't that probably, like, I'm guessing illegal in Florida in 92? Because I don't think you could just smoke weed in Florida. I feel like at the very least, like, you get your, like disbarred from like being an attorney but I mean who even knows like and he could have easily changed his shirt like especially if it was like a seven joint long car ride like that has to take a lot of time to get there um Nick offers to give them all the footage from that day and the prosecutor is like well it doesn't do any good now you never made it available before And Nick's like, you never asked for it. And it's like, okay, like, you, prosecutor, what the fuck is your deal? Like, you knew that they were going to call him. Why didn't you just subpoena the shit? Like, like, you didn't even ask for it, so why would he know to make it available to you? You fucking idiot. Like, all you had to do was ask a question. And then Nick is, like... He keeps repeating that he would have, like, changed his shirt, like, eight times or something. It's like, Nick, why are you still talking? As he's getting off the stand, he walks by and shakes Eileen's attorney's hand and suddenly in the background, like, it jumped up, like, no! No, he tried to shake Eileen's hand and the deputy stopped him. No, it was a deputy. 
It was a deputy? I thought it was just some lady watching. I think she was. She wasn't in a uniform, though. Oh. Okay. So Nick invited Nick, or Eileen invited Nick to meet her in jail. And, like, I kind of felt bad for Nick because it does seem like he he cares about her. But he just seems very torn in, like, how he feels about her. Like, I mean, obviously she's, like, a murderer. But, like, if all these awful things happen to her, maybe whatever. But, like, I don't know. He does seem like he cares about her and he seems, like, concerned. But, like, her teeth, man, they go in a lot of different directions. Eileen wants to come clean about her cases. She says she doesn't want to go into the execution chamber a liar. And I think she seems very bipolar, and it seems like she's having a manic episode. Her adoptive mom, like, who adopts an adult on death row? That's weird. Is very Christian, and I feel like she's probably been harping about this to Eileen. So Eileen wants to come clean. She says she killed them all and that it wasn't self-defense. Eileen says she was behind in rent, that she was making two to $300 Tyra. a day, but Ty- Tyria, Tyra was drinking, was drinking a lot of beer. They were 1200 behind in rent. Like, God, how much beer was Tyra drinking? Jesus. Tyra was Eileen's girlfriend, and Eileen says that Tyra knew everything. Um, Nick says that he has a lot of sympathy for Eileen because everybody close to her betrayed her. And they showed Tyra on the stand in the first trial, and she knew about the murders all along. Her teeth are also jacked to all shit. She was never charged with anything. She turned state's evidence for the prosecution, was involved and benefited from the movie deal, and got Eileen to confess on taped conversations, um murdering these people and so you hear like part of it and Tyra Tyra is sobbing like she's hysterically crying and then Eileen says she will cover for Tyra and confess to keep her out of trouble and she's immediately fine like it sounded like she stopped crying snapped right out of it she's like all right cool and like her vagina must be magical because like I don't think there's anybody in the world. I'd be like, oh, really? You knew about this? I'm going down? No, we both are. Like, maybe if you didn't, like, t- like testify against me and I kept my mouth shut, but, like, you're not getting up there and talking about me and getting out of this. Um, so Nick doesn't believe Eileen that she made it up. Nick really believes that it was self-defense. Um, I don't really understand how it could truly be self-defense like I think maybe one time was and like it could be something to do with her manic episodes or like some sort of PTSD I think she had been betrayed by men so much that she just like had a huge vendetta out against all of them yeah like I definitely I don't know, like, she doesn't seem like a serial, like, the way I think of Ted Bundy as a serial killer who's someone that was just sick and did it, like. No. I don't think it was self-defense, really, but I don't also believe that she was, like, capable no, she definitely of making, like, a rational yeah. decision. So she, like, was insane, 
But like, I yeah. But maybe that's the story she told herself in her head. Like, I also believe she could honestly believe that she thought she was doing it in self defense. But I just don't think she's sane. Um, but Nick thinks she's just changing her story because she wants to get it over with and die. Um, which I think she does probably. She's just like, well, what? I'm gonna live like this for like 30 years. No, thank you. And I don't know, like, is she now watching it, like, you would think she she reminds me of, like, a football player that has CTE, like Aaron Hernandez, like somebody that just, like, snaps yeah. and just does not know what is going on in the world. But, um, I mean, really, the only thing I'm sure about is that she's definitely, like, very mentally ill. And Eileen says, like, in a very, very creepy scene, she's like, you have to kill Eileen Warnos because she will kill again. And it was like, oh, like, geez. Um, Nick says he believes that Eileen acted in self-defense. Her first victim was Richard Mallory, who had a history of sexual assault and served five years in prison. He had a history of abuse. And Nick believes that everything Eileen described happened and sent her into insanity that caused her to murder six more people. The things she described were truly mm-hmm. terrible and terrifying. Like, it was bad. Like, he was, like, assaulting her sexually, and then he was pouring, like, rubbing alcohol over her and, and all her, mm-hmm. like, vagina and her wounds. Like, it's really sadistic stuff. Like, he tortured her really badly. And... Up until she had called Nick into the jail ready to confess, she had maintained that it was self-defense. So Nick was very skeptical. And, you know, I do believe that happened to her. And it might have been that Richard Mallory, but the more they say it, like, I wonder if that's not how it was, like, you know, like when she was a child. And then she just, like, like projected that when she was, like, you know, being mm-hmm. a prostitute and like things got like certain things were triggering to her. Um, but I mean, it's still like, yeah, like I wouldn't even know what to say. Like, what are like? I don't think she was fully like a hold of herself. But like, what are you gonna do? It's not like you can just be like, okay, well, yeah, that sucks. You're clearly crazy. Go home. But Eileen was in court for her appeals, objecting to her own witnesses. Uh, They still put the witnesses on. um, And Nick says Danny Caldwell, like many other boys in the neighborhood, lost his virginity to Eileen. I was like, ew, like many other boys in the neighborhood. Eileen traded blowjobs for cigarettes from the age of nine. Like nine. Daniel would be nine tomorrow. Like, that's Ugh. disgusting. And she was doing blowjobs. Danny testifies he walked into a fort when they were kids, and two other guys were banging her, and that he banged her that day. Like, that's disgusting. Another guy from her childhood, Jerry Moss, was banging her. Nick's like, he was a lover of Eileen's. Like, a lover? Was she, like, 14? But he was ashamed of her and pretended that he didn't know her in public. And the way he testifies to all this, it was 
so, like, disturbing. He's very nonchalant. Like, he talks about it, like, the way you would talk about, like, yeah, I threw that piece of paper in the trash. Like, what do you care? Um, He treated her like she was nothing, like dirt. And he's like, she was worthless. Like, what a gem. Like, I bet his wife is proud. He said that he told her to get out of his fucking face and go the fuck somewhere else. He called her ugly, a bitch. If she was following behind him or walking behind him, he would turn around and throw rocks at her and tell her to go away. He didn't want to be seen with her or associated with her. Jerry says he knew that Eileen was also having sex with her brother, Keith. And I was like, oh, fucking A. That is disgusting. So Eileen is off to the side making faces, and she pipes up saying he should take a polygraph because there's a lot of perjury. Like, I could not imagine having to be her attorney. I'd be like, really? You're going to yell out now? Really? Thanks. Some lady gets on the stand and says Eileen's grandfather was a bastard. They skipped school one day and got caught, and Eileen's grandfather beat the absolute shit out of Eileen. Like, they said her skin was bleeding. Um, yeah, like, the witness said she stood and watched it, and it was awful. And all of the witnesses had been holed up in a hotel together. So they were all talking and shooting the shit. So Don Boykins was Eileen's oldest friend, and she says um, that she, like, they're shooting this shit, and she's <laughs> saying that, like, gay people weren't invented back then. Like, she's like, there was no gay people. And Nick's like, well, what were they all doing? And Don's like, well, they weren't gay. There was no such thing as gay. Off screen, someone says they were in the closet then, and Don's all like, no, they weren't. I don't remember a person at school gay. I didn't hear this gay stuff until 10 years ago. Well, maybe 15. It's just now starting to be yeah. acceptable. I was like, wow, the ignorance. Like, it's crazy. Well, I mean, it's, I know it's it crazy like that, that she thinks that then, it was but, like, invented. It's crazy to imagine now. <clears throat> well, yeah. Yeah, they, it's just no clue. So she laughs and asks Nick if there were gay people where Nick went to school and Nick's like I'm sure there were I went to a British public school that's where it was invented us and the Greeks and Don's like what really no way and Nick's like of course I'm like why (laughs) like she was like really like shocked by this Eileen volunteered for the execution so they sent all the witnesses home Jeb Bush was on board for killing Eileen. Nick said that there was talk of them filing an appeal based on Eileen's mental state. Nick visited Dawn in Michigan. Dawn has all of Eileen's shit. She writes to Eileen every day. She shows um, Uh a painting that Eileen did with oil paint, and it was extremely impressive. And they're going through different pictures, and Eileen's biological mother skipped out when Eileen was six months old. And I know I've read in other things that, like, um, a lot of times, like, children that were abandoned Uh as infants have, like, really weird, like, issues, like, psychologically. I mean, I don't don't really have anything to tie it into. I just thought of it as I was saying it. Um, 
Eileen's biological father was convicted of kidnapping and sodomizing an eight-year-old boy. Like, that is fucking disgusting. He committed suicide in prison. Eileen's grandfather is who she called dad, and he was rumored to be Eileen's biological father. Like, ew. Like, first she bones her brother, then we found out her father might also be her grandfather. Like, this has too much. Like, she never had a chance. He abused both Eileen and her mother sexually. Eileen got pregnant at 13 and had a baby boy. He was put up for adoption. After she had the baby, Eileen became the local and untouchable. She lived in the woods in Michigan for three years. I don't know how that happened. But so Don takes Nick to the forest, and Don is, like, pointing out where she would and she's like, she's sleeping cars or prostitute herself just to keep warm. Like, living in the woods in Michigan over winter sounds miserable. And Dawn's like, if a guy would get a hotel room, she could get a shower. Like, it, it was depressing. Dawn talks about them going into a gas station to drink peppermint yeah. shops. It's like, gross. That would be like drinking Listerine, I imagine. Nick says it must have been freezing in the winter, and Dawn's jackass replies, well, it was for her. I didn't come out here in the winter for sure. Like, um, okay, lady. <laughs> Michigan school system must be top-notch. Sounds like Eileen had little to no love in her life. Like, I can't imagine that you don't get in trouble. Like, um, why didn't the police pick her up and, like, put her in foster care or something? So Nick takes us to this guy Dennis's house. He says that Dennis used to live in the woods with Eileen, and now he lives in this house. Like, anybody was going to be still alive living in those woods, like, 40 years later. Like, he was going to be like, oh, I remember when you moved in in the 70s. Like, fuck. Dennis was a cross-dresser. Dennis is showing Nick a picture from when he was living in the woods, and his hands are shaky as shit. It also looks like he has no lips. So Nick shows a picture of some dude and says, this picture is of Chief, the local pedophile. I was like, excuse me, what? Chief was rumored to be the father of Eileen's baby. And it sounds like it was a long list to choose from. So Chief committed suicide, and I'm very distracted by how thin this guy's lips are. Like, apparently they did a lot of drugs together. Nick says that at 16, Eileen moved to Florida. I don't understand why... Most homeless people don't, yeah. like, try to get down to, like, Florida or California. Like, somewhere they don't have to sleep in winter. Um, Nick says that she was pretty and a prostitute. She fought people a lot. She liked Daytona Beach. She liked to hang out at the last resort biker bar. She was allegedly great friends with the human bomb. And then we see this jackass lay on top of a pile of explosives, and they explode. People spray him with a fire extinguisher. And Nick's like, oh, you know what? Now is the best time to ask you some questions about Eileen. So, like, this dude's like, can I talk to you guys in a few minutes? I've got to walk this off. Like, what a shit show. Could you imagine? It's like, yeah, I, yeah, you just took a bomb to the stomach. Look, can I get your thoughts on, like, the local hooker? Eileen's brother Keith died of cancer at age 21. 
After her brother died, Eileen married Louis Bell, who was president of the Keystone Coal Company. But Louis filed for a restraining order after a month. Because yeah, wasn't he like really Lewis old too? Own walking stick. Like what in the world? Like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just wait it out, lady. Like, you'll get the money that way, but now you got nothing and you still live in the woods. In her late 20s, Eileen gave up on dating men and met Tyra, who looks like a man. They lived together for over three years, and their favorite activity was drinking beer and firing pistols into the woods. Tyra says Eileen was jealous and scary, and Tyra ran off as the police were closing in on Eileen. Eileen ended up with Dick Mills out of loneliness and desperation. Dick sold his story to News of the World. Nick reads some of it, and it's just insane. Dick wrote, We were lying in bed one night, and we started talking about her favorite sexual fantasy. She said she often got turned on, imagining she had a black hood over her head and was tied to a tree in a forest. Then a guy would come up and rape her and shoot her in the head. She said the killing would make her yeah. climax. I was real sickened by what she said. Like, that's disturbing. Um, Dick says, that's wrong. There were, there was partial truth to that, but he didn't know where it came from. It sounds like her fucking childhood, you idiot. He's like, check with anybody. I never said that. Like, whatever. Nick asks him if he thought Eileen hated men, and he's like, I thought she was a dyke. I didn't know about the killing stuff. Nick is like, could you tell when you made love? And he's like, no, she took whatever came along. It was probably just another bad experience for both of us. Like, okay. Like, this is just like a walk through people I hope to never, ever come across in my life. Like, ever, ever. Eileen had confessed to save Tyra. What she didn't know was that Tyra had entered into negotiations with production companies in Hollywood selling Eileen's story of being the first female serial killer. At her arraignment, the judge asks if she wants an attorney, and she says yes. He asks if she can afford one, and she says no. He asks her if she has a job, and she is like, no, I'm in jail. He asks what, when the last time she had a job was, and she said 1984. He asks what she did to no. support herself, and she's like, I'm a professional call girl. Like, can you even imagine having to have this conversation? <laughs> like... I would be like, I'm just a hooker, okay? Like, don't ask me any more questions about it. Jesus Christ, read the statute. I'm sure they said it in there. After Eileen's arrest, it came out that a few officers, along with Tyria Moore, um, they obtained um, a movie rights production package. So Tyra was never arrested despite knowing Eileen had murdered people and Eileen believed the cops knew that she murdered after her first murder but allowed her to continue to kill to get a better movie deal I mean I don't think I believe that I think that's just her being batshit but like they definitely were all like yeah 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 we'll sell her out real quick so Eileen's paranoia and delusion got worse on death row she believes they are reading her mind through radio waves there's a news report about Eileen saying they are messing with her food and threatened to rape her. She wrote a 25-page letter. She named names. Eileen asks for an attorney to watch over things before her execution. Eileen trusts no one. 
She wants Nick to interview her after she found out he had visited Don in Troy, Michigan. And it's kind of sad watching Nick because he is, he does seem very torn. And he seems like he's, like, sad. And I could not imagine visiting someone in jail. I would be like, oh, my God. Like, the questions I would ask would be so ridiculous. I'd be like, how bad does this smell at all times? Um, Eileen is off her fucking rocker. She she has no friends. She's absolutely terrifying. Her teeth are on another level. Like, she's completely manic and all over the place. And I don't know if they stopped giving her meds or, like, they changed her meds, but there was something very off about her. No. And it reminded me. Have you ever seen the movie Requiem of a Dream? It's, like, this movie with Jared Leto and, like, Ellen Bernstein and Jennifer Connelly from, I don't know, maybe the early 2000s. But, like, it's all about these three people, how drugs, like, negatively affect their lives or whatever. But the son is on, like, heroin. And his mom, who was played by Ellen Bernstein, she started on these diet pills, which is basically, like, amphetamines to, like, keep you from eating. And she loses all this weight, but she loses her goddamn mind. And that's what Eileen seemed like. And, like, when the mom was all hopped up in diet pills, and then she ended up in the psych ward, and they gave her um, shock therapy. But Eileen is super worked up and agitated because she wants to be executed immediately. She says, I'm so fucking mad, and they're just daring me to kill again. That would have been very awkward to have that conversation. I'd be, like, looking around, like, can I get in trouble for things that she says? Um, Eileen thinks that they are off the record and not recording, and she's telling Nick that she wants death because she can't handle life in prison. Nick asks her if it was self-defense about 34 fucking times. I was so annoyed. I'm like, can you just speak up or something? Like, divulging that to an investigative journalist seems wise. She's very awkward. Like, who knows? So, six months Later, it's announced that Eileen's death warrant was signed by Jeb Bush. So, I mean, I guess I feel her on the, like, just kill me then. I I wouldn't care either. Like, I'd be like, fine then, kill me. But she's very, like, very weird. Nick is going to meet Diane, Eileen's biological mom. Like, her hair, you can see right (laughs) through it. Her mom says that she was a frank breach birth. So I guess breach is when they come out feet first. And I know that's dangerous, but her mom says that she, that Eileen's butt came out first, not her head. And it's very rare and dangerous. And she wonders if Eileen sustained brain damage during birth. And honestly, like Eileen sustained brain damage at some point in her life, because I don't think it's possible to just be like that. No, yeah, she definitely had brain damage. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, any kind of thing I've seen on CTE. Yeah, and, you know, she did a lot of drugs as a kid and everything, and, like, you know, that... Well, she was traumatized so early that, like, I don't even... Like, she probably had, like, split personality and stuff. Like, it probably was, like, you know, like, I'm armchair therapisting, like, oh, I think she was bipolar, but, like, I don't, like, 
she probably had a lot of different things going on. Oh, definitely. And she asks Nick, what does Eileen think caused her to do this? And he's like, uh, well, the family hadn't split. And the mom's like, oh, because me and her dad got a divorce. Like, and I was like, didn't her mom bounce like six months after she was born and the dad committed suicide in jail? Like, what is she talking about? Say that again. Nick Wait, Ramble. say that again. Um, because the mom is like, oh, all this happened because me and her dad got a divorce. And it's like, why are you even asking that question? Like, she bounced like six months after, like, Eileen was born and her biological dad committed suicide in jail. And then she left him, left her with the pedophile but grandfather. Like, like, didn't you know any of that before? Like, why are you asking him what caused her to do it? So Nick starts rambling the way Eileen does, and he's like, you know, Eileen says good things, but then on the other hand, she's angry about sleeping in the woods and the snow, and the mom's like, sleeping in the woods and the snow? What are you talking about? And like, what Nick know way more about Eileen than her mom does? Like, she has zero clue. Like, you could pick up, a, like, watch this documentary, you idiot. Nick is like, then she started hitchhiking, and her mom is like, oh, she always liked that. Like, all right. Like, I thought you bounced Yeah, how did she months. know that she liked to hitchhike, but she didn't know that she lived in the woods? And her mom was like, well, didn't, like, CPS or anyone come in and get her? Like, uh, you weren't that concerned. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, I think yeah. you know that. She asks Nick if he knows the exact date of the execution, and he's like, it's soon. And, like, I wrote, apparently I've learned nothing about how weird these people are because I was expecting her to ask for that info, like, to see her before she's executed. Instead, Diane says, I think I'll rest better. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, when after your kid's dead, then you'll sleep better? Like, that's yeah. weird. She's like, once she's dead, that'll be the load off my back. I can finally get some peace, like, from the child you raised, that you did not raise and never see. Like, fucking weirdo. Nick's in town with Don for the execution, and Don is taking care of the funeral arrangements. And Don is very interesting to me because it's like she is just there for Eileen, and she doesn't really judge her, but she's like very straightforward about how things are. And it's just like normally people, either like the jackasses from like there's something wrong with the anti-end that are like, um, I know she's on video chugging beers and smoking out of a bong, but like. For real, she never touched alcohol or weed. Yeah. Um, Eileen fired her attorney, who then brought up competency concerns. So Jeb Bush issued a stay of execution, had a psychologist meet with Eileen for 15 minutes, and then lifted the stay of execution. Eileen wanted Nick to do her last interview, and he says that there were dumb rules about how many feet away he has to be and I wrote, I bet he's loving these new social distancing guidelines. And that 15 guards, including the warden, have to be in attendance. And Eileen, for no good reason, will have to wear shackles the entire time. Like, I mean, I understand why they would make her do that, but it would be bizarre to talk to somebody in that position. And it would be very bizarre knowing that it would be the last interview that mm -hmm. somebody gave knowing that they will be killed on a specific day and time. And Eileen looks like she is high as shit 
or very hopped up on pills. She's talking about how the cops knew who she was and wouldn't arrest her and didn't arrest her so they could so they are the ones that caused other people to die and they are the ones that turned her into a serial killer. She's very uncomfortable to watch. There like wasn't even a point in trying to write down what she said. It was like talking in circles and like I don't know, she's already insane, so, like, knowing you're getting ready to die, I wonder, like, what that ends well, like, up in your Did brain. you notice, like, the cop in the background, like, he was trying so hard not to laugh while she was saying some of those crazy things? Yeah, because, but you know what, I would be that person, because it'd be, like, one, it'd be laughing because I'm uncomfortable, like, I didn't know what else to do. And then I would think of dumb things that would make me want to laugh harder. And, like, so I get it. But she gets, like, mad all of a sudden because he asks her if it was self-defense or murder. And he tells her that he met with her mother and she, like, yeah. loses her shit. She's like, my brother and Diane, I don't give a shit. Eileen is not a no. fan of her mom. She, she's like, she's a fucking whore who plopped me out of her belly. I don't care that she even had me. Eileen does not care about that whore. Eileen pulls the Mariah card, Carrie, not Brinkito, all like, I don't know her. Nick tells her that Diane asked for Eileen's forgiveness. I'm like, lady, why are you having the documentary guy ask that on your behalf? Like, you don't care no. about her forgiveness. Eileen is like, she can go right to hell. She gets none of Eileen's forgiveness. Eileen is only, like, concerned with the cops and her cover-up conspiracy theories. And he wants her to explain how she grew to become a killer. And I'm not even sure what his point is or why he thinks she's even going to be coherent enough to answer that. And she's like, I'm a hitchhiking whore. Nick's like, yeah. Her eyes are bugging out of her face. She says, 2019, a rock's going to hit you. You'll all get nuked. She's mad people are making money off her and just spiraling. And then she goes, I know what Jesus Christ went through. And you and Jesus have zero in common, lady. She cuts the interview, like, done. She's like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Goodbye. Fuck you all. She yells, like, Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. And Nick's like, Eileen, I'm sorry. I'm so I sorry. did, like, too. I, I was just about to say that. I felt like, bad for him. I did. I was like, ugh. Because, you know, he just, like, feels... He regrets even asking anything. And he probably, like, just didn't like, know what else to say. Because he's not very And, like, good she's going to, like, be executed in less than 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That was, see, I don't even know that I could have a conversation with someone 24 hours yeah. knowing I'm about to die. So, like, I think not. Can I just watch, like, binge watch, like, Housewives or something? I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't know. I mm-hmm. did feel really bad for him. And Nick is mad. He's like, how did she get through the psych evaluation? Makes you wonder what you'd have to do to fail. So, Don ate Eileen's last meal with her. They had Kentucky Fried Chicken and fries. I always think that's interesting knowing what... Like, oh, I've read those articles. It, it, it's really interesting. 
And I don't know why. And I don't know what I would have my last meal be, but. Um, Diane says to Nick that Eileen was sorry and wasn't flipping him off, but she was worried about jeopardizing her execution. And, I mean, I think Nick knew that. But I guess it's nice that, like, she said that to him. Um, I'm like, that's like a very weird thing because, you know, it's probably to get her stay of execution continued or, like, canceled. She probably should have just said, like, I would really like to die and the victim's families would be like, why is in prison? <laughs> a news reporter is saying that in about 90 minutes, Eileen was going to be executed. He says it's hard to tell who will be happier, the families of the victims or Eileen herself. And I was like, yeesh. So Eileen was reported to be calm and quiet. Um, She was angry and defiant at the end, kicking a priest out and getting on her knees and praying for her victims because she believed they were probably too evil to get into heaven. Nick is upset because she's clearly mentally ill or in some sort of psychosis. And they announced that at 9.47 that morning, the case of the state first State of Florida versus Eileen Wernos was carried out at Florida State Prison in a very professional and humane manner. During Eileen's brief one-minute final statement, she alluded to the fact of that she would be sailing away with the rock. She'll be back with Jesus Christ like on Independence Day on June 6th, just like the movie on the big mothership, I'll be back, I'll be back. Like, I don't know what the fuck she was even talking about like they must have like hyped her full of like they're probably like I'm not fighting with her we'll put all the Xanax in her IV that's what I would have done um yeah that one was pretty short I was so impressed at being able to take small (laughs) notes what No, I really condensed it. Normally, it's like 15 fucking pages. But I did a better job this week. Thank you for listening to True Crime, True Family. Follow us on our Twitter at TCTFP and Instagram at TCTF Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us where you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Please leave a rating and review. We appreciate all the feedback. Join us next week.